his monologue in the beginning is so incredible. Just the first line. I'll just play the first line, and you'll, and you'll understand. The moon peers down on a diseased world. So heavy. There is no cure for the disease. An entire race vaults mindlessly into destruction. Not even a man of colossal power would be able to prevent the inevitable. You just heard the song, Revise the World, from the anime Muv Love Alternative by the artist Ayami. And this is episode 162 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, where our sole mission is to make your anime addiction worse. Ooh, it's almost like we scripted that. Yeah, almost. We'll rehearse it last next time. Our, <laughs> our sync ratio is 500%. I am your host, Mitsugi, tonight, and... With me are two guest hosts, Chiaki and Cram. Say I'm hello, a guys. Guest host? What? Oh, guest host, co host, sorry. Chiaki, mutiny. I know, right? <laughs> I've only been here for 162 <laughs> episodes. And I've been here for uh, two. <laughs> it's okay. You'll get there. You can, you can find us at our homepage, www.aaapodcast.com. Brand new website. Woo! Everything is new. Everything. Come look at it. It's beautiful. Chiaki worked very hard on it. I lost many hours of sleep yeah. for you guys. You can also find us on iTunes where you can subscribe and get our podcast weekly. Don't forget to subscribe and like us if you feel like it. Also, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast and live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, broadcasting live from Japan. So, unique perspectives here. Yes, indeed. So, and on this wonderful morning, where the New England Patriots win their football game, wonderful. Oh, Mitsugi. <laughs> it just means Mitsugi is in a good mood today. Well, we all like that. But speaking of, you mentioned the new website. Yes, the new website is up. A few more updates on it. Um, 
more reviews are still being posted. Um, we might be able to get them all up there this week. Uh, each review has to be manually entered by hand by one of yours truly, so that's why it's taking a little bit. Um, but we should have the reviews up this week, and that pretty much is the finishing touch of the site. When the site is 100% finished, I will post on the forum and take off the notice on the top page for posting on the forum for uh, final suggestions and for any kind of bugs, issues, and that kind of thing. Also, speaking of the forums, the forums were completely updated. I updated the hardware on the back end, so everything should be running more stable than what it was before, at least a little, and Spambop countermeasures are up to date. The forums have also been consolidated. There were a lot of forums that we didn't need that were old, remnants of a, remnants of a different time but those have been put aside on the forums and they should be easier to navigate and more straightforward on what you want to do and where it is. And because of that, the forums will not be going down anymore. So you can return to the forums without fear that you will see a Chiaki is working on the forums right now notice. So the forums are done, the website's at like 90%, and thank you to all of you who stuck through the updates. Speaking of the forum, we have two new forum members, Flame X and One Lost Panda. Aww. I'll let you guys fight over the. Uh, I want to find the One Lost Panda. Yes. Yeah, I felt the same way. It made me sad instantly. Uh, I, I, One Lost Panda, you are now found. You found your family in the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Congratulations. Welcome home. I should I should go on the forums and be evil and change their username to One Found Panda. <laughs> you, should, you have that power. You should give the uh, Okaidi in the in, in the in the in the mother voice. Huh? What now? Okaidi Nasai. There you go. <laughs> okay, so we have trivia. Also, we had seven correct answers this week. The answer was Nanoha from Maho Shoujo Lyrical Nanoha A's. The correct answer it the correct answers were from Ryo of the Wildfire thirty six, Hangman Swing Set, Typhoon, uh, Pantaji, Manly Mudkip, Rekka, and Astrophysics. So good job guys. You are scholars. The correct answer for the week, the winner is Pantaji. So congratulations. You are entered into the pool where at the end of the month you can win fantastic prizes. Woo, fantastic prizes. And the new trivia is up right now. Great. So, we also have mailbags. Indeed. So, the first mailbag is one that is from Yotaru Vegeta. Well, who would like to read this mailbag? I would like to read it, because I like this mailbag. Oh, please read it then. Yotaru Vegeta writes, Which vessel would you most like to be on for a day? The, one, the Gecko. Two, the Black Lagoon. Three, the Bebop. Is it bad that I have no idea what the Gecko is? I've heard heard of it. Some people are like cringing in agony as I say that. That's uh, that was a, that's an easy one for me the bebop for sure. Um I would you know the gecko mm. is from Eureka 7. Oh, well, I don't feel so bad now. I think. So I think I would have Eureka. to go with the Outlaw Star just to be not to give an answer that that you know was already given. Bebop's pretty cool, yeah. but it is kind of a piece of crap. It is, but it's cool. I want I want their uh their instant Namen that has the little string in it that you pull that heats up the ramen. <laughs> I think because that's, that's awesome. Because it's all they have money to eat. <laughs> but it's awesome. I want to try one. They have bell peppers <laughs> and beef with no beef. Yeah. 
Um, if, if I had to write one in, though, if it wasn't the Bebop, it would be Yamato, probably. I, uh, I would want to be on the Bebop, and I'd try to get in Spike's pants. Typical woman. <sighs> Always thinking with their, you know, the wrong end. Says a man. So, next, next mailbag question to move it along. Dylan X855 writes, this is an easy one. Have you ever seen or heard of an anime called Eden of the East? Why, yes. Of course. Yes, indeed. In I'm... fact, we reviewed it on the show. What episode did we review it on? Do you know? Uh, let's you, see if you, we've entered it in yet. While, while I talk about it, use the new handy-dandy sorting system on the review section of the Woo. website to find it Oh, quickly. look at how fast that oh, was. okay, what was it? Episode 2. Episode 2. <laughs> oh, my. We gave it a 4 out of 5. We did. Um, in other words, we liked it. I uh, I actually watched the first movie of the two Eden of the East movies, and I mean to, I've been meaning to watch the second so I can review the movies as a unit because uh-huh. it doesn't make sense to do them one at a time because they literally flow right into each other. But I've seen the series; I really liked it, but I heard the movies are kind of so-so, kind of not as good as the series. Yeah, kind of like not necessary. Which, like ignore them. <laughs> if, if, I, if I could just say, which is a massive problem because the series didn't finish. Yeah. The movies... I don't know. I like the way the series wrapped up, though. I know a lot of people had a problem with that, but... You like having to watch two movies that come out six six months later? Oh, no, no, no. I like the way the series ended, like the series itself. I didn't... I, I've never, I haven't never seen the movies, and I don't feel like I need to. I feel like I got what I was supposed to out of the show. Oh. I thought the end of the show was completely unended. I, I thought the first movie was okay, but it left me wanting more, so I leave my final comments to the second movie when maybe I'll eventually I will do a review on mm. it. Anyways, it's a great show. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's The story is, is fairly unique, which is nice, and it's engaging. So, yeah, it's a good show. It's, it's kind of a sci-fi, uh, kind of a sci-fi action drama, maybe, I guess you could say. Is that, do you guys feel like that's right? I, I would say less sci-fi. I mean, aside from the, the Celico phones, yeah. I don't think there's much sci-fi. There. Yeah, it's kind it of, has sci-fi you know. themes. I, I, I view sci-fi as being like the far, far distant future, and I view this show as being like more of a... It's kind of a thriller, kind of a quirky thriller. Yeah. Like the, the way it... <clears throat> I don't know, it's got a really good clip, like it moves pretty quickly. And yeah, it does. I don't know. There's there's kind of this in, impending sense of something. You, you're not sure if it's doom or something good or or whatever. But you know, I don't know. I, I think it's good. I, I think it, it counts as a thriller. Yeah. Next mailbag is by is from Kron. Who would like to read Kron's mailbag? I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Please read it. I know a lot of people who simply drop shows because they don't like what they see. As reviewers, you guys obviously have to stick with the series, no matter how it is. My question is, has there any, ever been any show that initially gave you a horrible first impression but turned out amazing as a whole? Has there ever been any good shows that you might miss out if you're not uh, obligated to finish them? It's a very difficult question. Yeah, that's tough. Because I think <laughs> if a show starts out very badly, I have a difficult time calling it an amazing show, regardless how bad, how good the end is. But I'll just go first. A recent show that I saw that came out last season that that started out to the point where I thought it was just going to be a stupid club harem anime Uh, Koito Senkyoto Chocolate actually ended up not being horrible at the end of it it ended up having a albeit not amazing but plotline that was not that was revealed sort of piece by piece and kind of all came together at the end which is kind of what I like 
Um, and while you guys talk, I'll think of others. I The first show that popped into my head actually had uh, nothing to do with watching it for the show. Um, but I watched the show in my club's, my school club's anime club, and someone wanted to watch Moyashimon Returns, and they really, really wanted to watch it. And when I heard the premise, I thought, oh my god, this anime is going to be awful. And I really wasn't that into it after the first episode. I just kind of watched it and had a, a mediocre feeling toward it. But by the end of the show, I I really enjoyed Moyashimon. I, I thought it was funny, and I liked the jokes, and I thought the little microbes were cute. And I guess maybe that counts for this topic. I didn't... It's hard for me, though. If I go into it thinking an anime is awful, it probably has enough problems that it stays awful all the way through. More often than not, I'll pick up an anime thinking this anime is going to be okay, mediocre, and then it turns out amazing. The last anime that was like that for me was Tari Tari. At, at the first, after the first three episodes, I thought this anime is going to be okay, but I was worried because I felt like they had fin accomplished what they had set out to do in the first episode. And I worry when that happens in anime because I feel that everything after that is just going to be beach episodes because they've done what they set out to do. But no, that anime turned out really well. So I think maybe it's not something I thought was horrible, but it, it was something that maybe after the first two or three episodes, I thought, okay, this is okay. But I had serious concerns and they were unfounded. What's hard about this question for me is thinking about everything that I've, I've watched and, and trying to think of what started poorly and, and, uh, and finished strong. But um, recently, I, I had heard about something that I haven't actually seen, so this doesn't come from experience, it's just hearsay, but uh, Garden of Sinners, I've heard, is kind of tough to get through, but is really rewarding if you kind of sit through it. Um, I'm not sure how long, I think it's like nine feature-length film uh, episodes, I, like like 90-minute episodes Which or something like crazy. that. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And I've heard it's it's really slow at first, and it's kind of, it doesn't explain things like about the narrative and, and whatnot. It takes its sweet time to explain things. Um, but I have heard that if you stick with it by the end, it ties everything up really, really well and uh, and ends up being uh, uh, kind of amazing. So uh, that's one I'm going to sit down and do, yeah. but that, that's not from experience. If I'm thinking of the anime, I think you're thinking of. I've actually seen that. And... Um... I do agree with you, it, but I feel like Garden of Sinners kind of has a moderate pace throughout the whole show and never really particularly has a... I wouldn't say it starts on a low note or anything like that, so it's not like it, I thought it was going to be abysmal after the first three episodes and then ended up being wonderful. I, I felt like it kind of had a level a level tone, so it started out being um, significantly above average and then kind of continued that throughout, but it's definitely worth watching that, by the way. It's Oh, and it's amazing to look at. I thought of another anime. Okay. Quickly. Um, one that maybe a lot of people haven't seen at this point because it's like almost 10 years old, but Higurashi Nonaku Kodoni has a very bad first episode. What? It, it do, do you not recall the first episode of no, Higurashi? No, I recall the first episode. I thought that was an amazing first episode. Do you remember it being a, a Moe Club episode? I they remember... Spend, they spent 12 minutes of it playing magic cards in the in the school building. I remember in the first five minutes, he beats to death four girl, three or two girls with a bat. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, conversation <laughs> killer Chiaki. <laughs> As somebody like, who that, that to me, okay, yeah, it's mindless gore, but you want to talk about a hook? I'll sit through like cards to see what the hell was going on <laughs> when he was beating to death okay. two little girls with a bat. All right, fine, fair enough. But I will say that after the first, after the first fifteen minutes of Higurashi, it looks like a it looks like a massive elfin lightish uh, genre clash mess, but pulls itself together well. Okay, so thank you for your mailbags, everybody. We always appreciate the uh, the submissions. It's fun because every time a mailbag comes in, I feel like they would be easy, and then I have to go. Oh, what would I do, or what should I say? <laughs> so, now that Chiaki has squashed Mitsugi, we are going to go to a news break. What? And when we come back, we are going to talk about English and anime, and other uh, odd foreign concepts that, that appear throughout different series. And then we're going to take another news break, and when we come back from that, we are doing an all Ravoni Kenshin-style review section, where we are going to talk about the recent Ruboni Kenshin live-action film that recently came out in Japan, and also talk about the Samurai X OVA. And we'll be back in a few minutes. newbies out there listening to the show trying to get into the coolest thing on the planet this is Chiaki and this is your anime news break first up unsurprisingly but well very sadly no anime were nom- nominated for the Oscars the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced the nominees for the 85th Academy Awards this past Thursday no Japanese animated titles were nominated although Goro Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli's from Up on Poppy Hill and Isamu Imakake's Mystical Laws were submitted for the animated feature film category. Katsuhiro Otomo of Akira Steamboy Memory and Sunrise's Combustible Hino Yojin was also submitted for consideration in the short film animated category. However, there were no Japanese for nominees in the foreign language film category. Those who made the animated feature film category were five nominees. Brave Mark, Frankenweenie, Paranorman, The Pirates, Bands of Misfits, and Wreck-It Ralph. So, well, I think my opinion should be pretty obvious, but what do you think? Chat us up on the forums. In other news, the Hunter Hunter manga has inspired a second film, a special teaser trailer after the ending credits of the Hunter Hunter Phantom Rogue film has announced that production on a second film has been green-lit. The teaser featured, featured Neitiro, the champ- chairperson of the Hunters Association, in front of a backdrop of a dim-lit street with a tall tower similar to the Heavens Arena. No further details about the second film were made to the public. The first film's adv- advanced screenings did not have this teaser. It was only added to the film on its official opening day. The first film's opening day was this past Saturday. It centers around the character Kurapika, who became a hunter to seek revenge on the phantom troop for the massacre of his clan. 
and it is really big over here. You practically cannot walk into a convenience store without seeing posters for it. Another news of America blaming the wrong things for violence among the youth, the Massachusetts Department of Transportation has ordered the removal of light gun arcade games from its state-operated rest stops. Time Crisis, Beachhead 2000, and six other titles were removed from the rest areas along the Massachusetts Turnpike. Before the removal, parents of a 12-year-old boy expressed concerns that the games were inappropriate. We were struck by walking into a state-owned rest stop within an hour's drive of Newtown and seeing and hearing life-size mounted machine guns on a video game, said Andrew Haynes, the boy's father. The state secretary of transportation, Richard Davey, commented on the issue. Bottom line is I think there isn't a person who doesn't believe that too much there, there is too much violence in our society and games can glorify that. A video game in a public space could be used by anybody of any age. So, once again, is this blaming the wrong thing? Or are video games and violent anime and whatever else they decide to blame it on really the cause of violence in our youth? Talk with me about it on the forums, because I think I might have just made a new topic for it. This was Shiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. We'll be back to the show soon. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. It's about music and video games and other stuff. Are you sure that was the moon and not just Australia painted gray? Uh, <laughs> you know what? If you knock me out, paint Australia gray, and then tell me it's the moon, I'll get over it. <laughs> you know, throwing flaming two-by-fours into the audience is something you don't do if you're just, like, listening to NPR and sipping on decaf. But if you did, that would make NPR so much more rad. <laughs> She says, oh, I pretty much like everything except rap and country. Then she says, have you heard of Nickelback? Which <laughs> oh, God, no! For all this and more, check out ozoneent.com slash zonecast or find the Echo Chamber podcast on iTunes. We're back to the 162nd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Mitsugi has coffee and all is right with the world. But it's not just any coffee. It's coffee in a Studio Ghibli Gigi mug. Yeah. From uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, coffee's never been cuter. So in this section of our episode, we are going to talk about something that was brought up on the forum recently. An interesting topic somebody was asking about. The portrayal of English and foreign concepts in, in general in anime by, of course, Japanese directors and writers. And I jumped on there and was very interested in the topic myself because it's sort of a... Is it anthropology? Is it, the, the study of people and cultures? I think it's anthropology. So, mm. kind, kind of an anthropological, anthropological uh, discussion. Let me see who brought this up on the forum originally. I thought it was uh, Blase Kizashi. Uh, I think it's Hangman Swing Set. Oh, was it? I'm on, sorry. In the uh, in the forum, perhaps there was also a submitted question about this, but I uh, oh Blaze Kizashi also did answer this. All right, so what we did was there was a topic on the forum. Oh, blase. <laughs> there, there was a topic on the forum, and also a a, a a submitted topic request 
topic request was made by Blaze Kizashi, and the forum post was made by Hangman Swingset. And so I said, well, I guess we have our next to- our next topic, and I kind of combined the two submissions into a broader topic. One was about English, one was about foreign concepts in general, and so we're going to do all of it. That's because that's just how badass we are. Yeah. Chiaki did a very nice job on this agenda. I, I worked pretty hard. And by the way, Chiaki is posting all of our show notes uh, on the site. So Oh, very nice. You can access them if you want to see them and read them for yourself. So I can't write profane or inappropriate things in them anymore. Wonderful. Oh, no, you can. The, everyone will just see them. Let's start with English and anime. All right, I think sure. we should go by individual topic. Well... Also other languages. Yes. Well, one of the the most recent things that I remember of English is the anime C, The Money of the Soul and the Possibility of Control. And there's there's a character in there. Of course, the anime takes a very international scope because the anime is about commerce. And so the notion of the financial district is in multiple countries, and, and that's touched on. But... One of the characters in Japan is American, and when she's in Japan, she's speaking Japanese with the other characters, and I haven't watched, I don't even know if there's a dub out, but if there is, I haven't watched it yet. But the character, when she's in Japan, she's speaking Japanese, but there are a few points in time in the show where they they cut to her on business travel, or they cut to a flashback or some such, and... They have maybe two or three minutes of dialogue that's in English because she's in America, supposedly. (laughs) It's always hit or miss. And so it's solidly in English. And on one side, I feel that it could be argued that it was the director trying to be sincere to his subject matter and the fact that if it's a bunch of American characters, of course, they'd be speaking English. But I think with how it was presented, it felt like more of a gimmick to me. Because I feel that if a director is trying to make a decision to have some kind of level of authenticism, if I may say, they would be very serious about how it's represented and they would try to get people who are very good at English and have natural tones and cadences and accents. And the English in the show was awful. It was comically bad. I <laughs> wish I could find it, but yeah. it would probably take a little bit too long it's so often for, the sake, for the sake of this topic. But it was awful. It sounded like a Japanese person who had just started learning English reading off of a script. That was the pacing and the tone and the accent. And that, to me, feels like the director was like, hey... Here's an excuse for us to put some English in the show. Let's do it and be cool. Can we can we take a step back? Sure. Rather than go through all the anime that have English in them and whether it's done badly or not, because let's face it, it's countless. Um, I can probably name 30 of them right now. Uh, I would like to step back and talk about why they use English in anime, because we can go because we can make fun of anim- English in anime forever and other languages also. So does anybody want to start on that, or do you want me to just jump in? Um, I, I think that I think that this could end up being a really short discussion by simply saying that they use English in, in anime because it's trendy, but at the same time, I think that there's a level um, there, there's some level of uh, cultural crosswire thing happening uh, because if you think about it in English, if you if you kind of try to create a parallel uh, to native English speakers, 
you know, how many times in your life have you thrown in foreign words when speaking to another native English speaker just because it's what you do as a, as a borrowed word when you say, c'est la vie, or, you know, you say gracias to someone who's given you something or, or anything like that. I, I think on that level, it makes a lot of sense that the Japanese have kind of uh, borrowed so many words from English, but they, they've, done, they've done it a lot more than... The, uh, you know, English speakers have. But I would say, I, I would have to raise an argument, or, or not necessarily an argument, but a point to that, that I feel that American English speakers, mm. we come from a society that has, you know, the proverbial melting pot. Mm. And I feel that a lot of those c'est la vie, gracias, all that permea permeation of other cultures come from, comes from the fact that we have multiple dialects spoken hmm. every day in our society where I feel that in Japan, yes, English is studied by everyone in school. But if you look at the Japanese population, foreigners are few and far between. And very OK. Yeah. And I feel that it's less of a it's less of a this kind of became normal to say and do because other people around me say and do it and became more of a it's cool to do because i don't say i don't when, whenever i'm i'm with someone and i say donka or gracias i don't think oh i'm being cool and using well, a different language can i just say that i i understand what cram's saying but i i also have i also sort of had to disagree a little bit i think that in japan english is everywhere i mean it permeates very heavily in most businesses in, in most pop culture and songs and magazines and in, in advertising and in anime. I mean, just yesterday I was in Caesarea or, or Cafe Gusto, one of those cafe restaurants, and right above the, the drink bar was this long placard in complete English that it was not in good English, but even still, it was not in English that anybody in that restaurant could understand. We it's, are waiting on our honor to assist you with your service. There's no way anybody, <laughs> nobody... As a person who, who teaches English to people in Japan, I know that n probably nobody in that restaurant knew what the word honor meant. And so that's, it's just, I feel like they put it there because they want to be cool. And I see that everywhere. E even in some place like Starbucks, you see, even though Starbucks is an English company, they, that clearly has enough people that properly speak English, you see in Starbucks placards on walls and pamphlets and things like that that have, that have in English, English posted on purpose, incorrectly, in a way that the Japanese people can understand. But it's interesting because it's not 100% incorrect. I, Because I was looking at the sentence and it was entirely grammatically correct. But it's awkward English. It's, like, yeah. it's Japanese English. For, for your happy time. For your happy life. <laughs> for your happy life, we uh, enjoy a coffee for your service. Or something like that. It's It's... I don't, I, I don't want to lend validity to the explanation that I'm about to get into uh, because I think on some level it can, be, um, it can be construed as racist or maybe xenophobic, but um, I was actually having a conversation with an older Japanese gentleman, someone I work with, and uh, he, he explained something to me that I had never heard before and I found really interesting. And um, he started by saying that he feels that Japanese people have a superiority complex to Chinese uh, and uh, Korean and other Asians. Um, but he also said 
that Japanese have an inferiority complex to all Western culture, especially English-speaking culture like uh, that of, you know, the UK and um, America and Canada. And uh, I found that extremely interesting because when I thought about, you know, myself as an American, as someone from the United <laughs> States, yeah. I tried to think, does the United States have an inferiority complex to anyone? Or anything. And the answer was a resounding hell no. <laughs> and I, I think that's that's really interesting because you, you could, like, the point I made before about... Uh, English speakers adopting, you know, words and phrases from other language to use in, in daily life and whatnot. I think you could make the argument, like Chiaki said, uh, that it's because we come from a melting pot, you know, a society that has has uh, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different backgrounds uh, living in it and coexisting together. And you could make the argument that exposure is the reason that we do that. And mm. if you lend any validity to the, you know, the idea that Japanese find themselves with an inferiority complex to Western culture, then you can't say that it's exposure. They don't get exposed to English, but maybe it's aspiration. Maybe it's that they want to reach that goal. They want to speak English. They want to understand English because they feel like it's necessary. They feel like it's uh, a more important culture. But I don't know if that's true. It's just uh, kind of interesting that from that conversation I had with this this older Japanese man that um, I, I think this could be um, maybe an explanation. I'm not sure. I I just want to go back on that for a second. I'm I'm trying to find the demographics statistics for the United States, and I'm having a difficult time finding it on the on the fly. Here it is. Okay, so essentially in Japan, you have according to the internet. Which can tell no lies. Well, I haven't looked at the source yet. The source for this is uh, CIA Factbook, which is a government website, so it's usually usually fairly accurate. ITs. In Japan, the Japanese population is 98.5% Japanese. It has the most pure population in the world in terms of its ethnicity. That means that out of the 130 million people in Japan, only 1.5% of them are not Japanese. In other words, in Japan, they speak Japanese. In the United States, we have a huge population of foreign of foreign people, whether it be Spanish, African American, or, or whatever. But in Japan, you see a gigantic amount of English everywhere. And in America, you see almost no Spanish unless you're in Florida. So, I, I, underst I understand the conversation about, you know, we're exposed to foreign people in America, so we use foreign words. Well, we're exposed to it on a native level, and that's that's the thing is you can say that Japanese are exposed to English through their own kind of injection of it into their own culture, but and that's, through borrowed media, exactly. I, I mean, it's but that most of that's English. That's their exposure yeah. to English. I just have a difficult time uh, understanding why the Japanese people choose to put use so much English everywhere when in re when in their daily life, there no one speaks it. So it's interesting. Uh, Blaze Kizashi made a point that English is a language that has infiltrated every culture, and, and I can't disagree with that because English is the, the international language of business, at least until something else comes along, like Mandarin or whatever. But currently, English is the international language of business, and yeah. for the most part, if, if you want to take place in business on an international scale, you must speak English. That's just it's true. the way of the world right now. And... I agree with that to an extent, but I feel like there's a difference between 
studying a language and and living a language and maybe I can say that fairly now that I have both studied Japanese in America and lived over here while trying to study and trying to speak it and I think that's why you end up having phrases in Japan like for your happy life because people are trying to use it but they they don't understand it they don't understand how to properly formulate things in a way that doesn't sound strange well, to a native speaker. I, I, I find it interesting that in, in, for example, pop music, you see random English words just inserted into songs in ways that make no sense whatsoever. And like, I understand that, oh, they're exposed to English, so it might permeate their culture and the language a little bit. But when you have English words thrown into, you know, Ayumi Hamasaki's music that don't belong there it makes me wonder why they're there and it, and i bring it back to i think it's i think it's just it, it all just falls back to the trendy point and i think that's, that's what i think i think that's that's true because another language i feel that's trendy over here is german yeah absolutely and some of my students who i've spoken to they have a deep love for german culture and so interesting and yeah just in the past few years it's been it's been germany and france that have become really really popular here and so I, I see it in uh, one example, because you mentioned pop music, uh, Mirai Nikki. The opening to Mirai Nikki, Kurosaru uh, Mosagawi or something like that, I'm opening to Mirai Nikki, there's random German in the opening. There's there's nothing German about that anime. There's there's nothing that begs the necessity to have German in the opening song. You saw. But it says in in the opening song it's clearly Saha Einzweidrei and then the rest of it's in Japanese. And something like that to me you can't even argue in my mind that that's kind of German permeating every culture because that's definitely not true. No offense to German Germany, but that's just not the case, and so I'm playing that song right now, but it's very loud. Oh yeah, that song is that song is a very loud song. But in the chorus, they say "Eyes wide dry," and I, when I heard it, I was like, "Is that German?" And and I've had many Japanese friends who've said they're learning German because they think it's cool, and I think that to me is another example that this definitely happens. It's it's definitely there's definitely a lot more of a cool factor I feel than a this is part of our culture, so we want to say it. I have never, I have never heard a Japanese here, person. Here comes the quorum. If you were listening carefully, you should be able to hear it in the song. Um, but uh, I have never heard a Japanese person speak any English if it wasn't for my benefit as a foreigner, or to be funny. Like, thank you. <laughs> Just being silly. I think, <laughs> and that's, that's an interesting point, and, and um, um, specifically, thank you is something that Japanese have kind of incorporated into their own language. Um, I've heard um, native, native Japanese speakers say thank you to each other, mm. um, like we would say gracias to, yeah. to one another. And I, I think on that level, it's, it's the same thing, but I, I think, you know, I think overall we can say that a big reason why they use so much anime in their day or use so much English in anime or in their daily lives is because it's, it, it comes from a place of, um, of 
exposure, a little bit of exposure, a lot of interest, and uh, maybe a, a whopping dose of overdoing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that that probably explains it. But in anime, uh, which is actually the, the topic, um, I think there are some uh, things that we can find from anime that uh, that maybe illustrate this point, these points, uh, really well. Um, and even give us some insight into how the Japanese see English and, and what it means to them, what English means to them. Because to us, it's just, it's, it's our language. It's native. It's, we don't think about it. Um, but to the Japanese, it, it has meaning. It's uh, important on some level, or they wouldn't uh, put it into everything that they do. Yeah. So there are a lot of animes where they use languages like, Eng like German. There's a million animes with English in them, but just a couple that are heavily influenced by German. For example, a recent anime, Girls in Panzer, mm. <laughs> has so much German influence that even the subtitle, even the subtitlers choose to m make every maybe third or fourth line of subtitle have a random German word in it. And I took German in high school and I can't understand all the words. So, it makes me wonder why do that, especially for to in, in, in an English subtitle. But that anime is, it's literally about German to the point where they're using German tanks in the battles and they call them panzers. So I really can't, I really can't see any purpose for using German in an anime. Also like Mahou Shoujo Lyrical Nanoha where all the weapons speak German. There's absolutely no purpose for the, for the language, for the choice of language in that show other than to be cool. I mean, no Japanese person is going to understand the German talking of the weapons. And not even English people would probably. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the only people who are going to get it are the Germans. Especially when they're speaking in like robot language, robot tones. So why why would you throw a random German in there, unless you were just trying to be cool? Because it serves no other purpose. And I think another thing to touch on is the fact, and and kind of shifting gears a little bit, is the fact that a lot of times what we do see when we do see foreign language spoken is it comes from someone who is intended to be a foreigner. And one of the other recent examples that I thought of was a foreigner in uh, Tari Tari. There's this uh, kind of Hispanic, Peruvian-esque, that kind of, May I think I he's from, isn't he from Colombia? Maybe. He might be from Colombia. Somewhere from South America that I are we forget. On, are we on foreigners now? Yes, that, that's what I just said. Okay. Um, but uh, anyways... These performers, they are from a different country, and they all speak Spanish, or some language that I forget, and I'm sorry if I'm deeply offending someone, that is not my intent, but two of the three members of the band speak Japanese, and, and they hold conversations in Japanese with the other characters, but there's one member of the band that doesn't speak any Japanese, and the whole existence, I feel, for him not to speak Japanese and, and in his interactions is to be a spectacle for the character and the reviewer <laughs> and to be comic relief. But I also think it's interesting because I feel that it shows a little bit on the insight of how Japanese people feel when interacting with a foreigner. The girl is, she's not frightened in the sense that I don't feel that, God, I didn't get the feeling that she thought that this man was going to hurt her. But she was overwhelmed in the sense of she didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to interact. She she spoke to him in the best broken English that she could muster. 
and said, I, I don't have any money or something like that. I have to go. And so I feel that that's something that's definitely cultural in the sense of they, they don't know how to interact with foreigners. And so in anime, I feel that many times foreigners are portrayed as something that is the, the comic relief, something to be laughed at of, oh, yes, everyone has that feeling when dealing with a foreigner. Yeah, when you want to, when you want me to insert this random funny clip from the forum, you can go ahead and just okay. let me know. Uh, I think that uh, actually Blaze Kizashi just made a really good point that I was going to bring up, and uh, that's Miss Yakati from uh, Azumanga Daio, um, is a really good example of uh, English in anime. And there's one scene in particular, I can't remember which episode it's in, but she runs into a foreigner on the streets, an English speaker, because he walks up to her and I believe the first thing he says is, uh, excuse me. Um, and from there, they have a conversation in English, but it's not actually in English. It's just kind of um, sounds that sound somewhat like English or rather what English sounds like to Japanese people. And that's how I interpret it because what it ends up sounding like is like womp, 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 or something like that. Like it's, it's really strange. <laughs> like the teacher from Charlie yes, Brown. Yes, <laughs> like, the, like the, all the adults on the phone in Charlie Brown. Some kind of like that, I think. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And yes, it was used for a comedic moment. Uh, and I know that Japanese see that scene and they don't think they're actually speaking English. They understand that it's a joke. But I think that something can be said about that. I think there's something even deeper, and that is how language sounds to yeah. someone who doesn't speak it natively. And I think that scene really kind of illustrates an interesting point with that. Um, you know, English sounds maybe like that to a Japanese person, and to an English-speaking person who enjoys anime, maybe the sound of Japanese is enjoyable to you, and that's part of why you love anime so much. I mean, maybe it is. I, I'm not sure, but um, I think that that could be that could be part of it. There's kind of a, a cultural exchange going on, you know, and it has been since anime really kind of got big in the West. Um, but that might be one facet of it is is the sound, the raw sound of these languages. Another really interesting example going off of that is, and a recent, more recent example is TK from the show Angel Beats. I don't know if you watched that one. Um, I do recommend it. It is a good show. And TK is a foreigner, and everyone else is Japanese in this universe, and he's a foreigner. And you cannot understand him. He never speaks Japanese, and all of his actions are very large, very kind of out there, and everything he says is like, Yo! What's up? <laughs> that kind of thing. And it, it's very... It's never really English at any point in time, just kind of slang-type noises. And I feel that it's... There's either one of two portrayals. It's It's that kind of the foreigner as being the kind of loud, strange, awkward, comic relief that you still enjoy, even though that kind of loudness can be a little awkward or out of place at times, but the characters still want to be around him. Or I think of something like Roy Fokker from Macross, where it's more of the loud insensitive more type stereotype of, of rude and overbearing. So it's either that kind of charming, oh cute, it's the foreigner, or foreigners don't get it and they're really annoying. And, and that's kind of 
how I see oftentimes see foreign foreigners portrayed in anime, and, and that's not all the time. For example, going back to see the the American in that anime wasn't portrayed really any differently than the Japanese people, but. I do see that many times in anime when there is a foreign person. Can I can I just go back to to the point Cram was making a minute ago? Because as he was discussing the scene in Azumanga, I found it on YouTube. If you would like me to play it, it takes but a moment. Yeah, yeah. If if, if anything, just to uh, to remind people which scene it is, so they can go look it up. This is a, this is a scene where Miss Yukari and her friend run into a foreigner on the street, and her friend doesn't speak any English, and Miss Yukari supposedly does. Hi. Hola, Monsieur Foreigner. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah. Wow, it's almost like you're not stupid. Miss Yukari is stupid. Just saying. But I love her anyway. Are you stupid? Um... One other thing to to note, I don't know, maybe going back to the the what you were talking about earlier, Cram, about the perception of Japanese culture, or the perception Japanese people have to Western cultures, and and this made me think of it too, uh, and and going a little more away from the language, but more on just foreigners in general, there are many halflings, as I call them lovingly, that I do not use that term in any kind of derogatory sense. But but there are many halflings in anime, uh, people who are half Japanese and half Westerner. Mm. Uh, one main one that I think many people love or hate the anime but will know is uh, Tamaki Tsuo from the anime Oran High Host Club, and he's oh, the main character. Don't even, don't even, oh. But he illustrates... <laughs> this was such a good day, and then you had to inject Oran High School into it. What's that, what's that smell? We're being serious. What's that smell? We're being smell, serious, boys. It smells like hate. What is that smell? I smell hate. It is hate. It's cooking. But no, I, I use him as an initial example, because whether you love or hate Oran, you can bring his image to mind, and that's the important part of this this point. And the what makes it interesting to me is that he has blonde hair. And I get it. Anime characters have all kinds of crazy hair. Um, Even when they shouldn't. Yes. But the interesting thing to me is that, genetically speaking, if even if the one parent had two recessive blonde genes, the Japanese dominant genes would 9.9 .9 times out of 10 win out. And genetically speaking, the child would have more Japanese features, especially in the hair. They would have dark hair. And... You might say Chiaki, oh, that's one example of this happening. But there are many other examples. Uh, Momoji Sohama from Fruits Basket is oh, half German, half Japanese. You're killing me blonde with this. Hair. Um, Eri uh, Sa uh, Sawachika from School Rumble, half British, half Japanese. Oh, I remember her. Um, let's see, what's another one that, that people might know? Uh, Rebecca Miyamoto from pa uh, Pani Pony Dash is half Japanese, half American. And, and the list goes on, and all of these characters are, are blonde-haired, even though they're half and half. And I remember something that I, I read on some kind of interview with a Japanese pop star whose father was Western, and she she didn't publicize it very much because she said that... She didn't want the perception that if if she said that her father was Western, people would think she's a good singer because she was 
not 100% Japanese. And that notion to me is crazy. But, and, and, and yes, it's a sample size of one person and one article Chiaki read however long ago that, you know, is probably fuzzy in her brain, but it stood out to me. And so I think it's interesting when you see that kind of mix of foreigners, how they present the fact that maybe they get the quote unquote better parts rather than getting the more Japanese features. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? I don't know. I, yeah, I, th I think that's probably accurate. It's, um... One thing, one thing that I think is really interesting uh, about this whole topic is that it, the only reason this topic exists is mm -hmm. because we are English speakers. We're native English speakers, and we're interested in our language kind of being injected into a culture and into a media that we like. And I think as uh, journalists and reviewers and um, you know critics, we have to be critical about every facet of something that we enjoy. And if something is distracting or something... Uh, decreases your enjoyment of something, um, whether that's, you know, uh, poor plot or misused English or poorly used English, I think that it deserves to be brought up. But I, I think that it's also fair to kind of look at the parallels uh, with uh, Western media using foreign languages or English media using foreign language. And a, a couple of examples it, uh, for me is um, uh, The Last Samurai. And oh, yeah. In that film, Tom Cruise speaks Japanese. And when, before I spoke Japanese, I was like, wow, that's so cool he speaks Japanese. That's amazing. <laughs> and then I watched it again after I you know, learned how to speak Japanese and had been speaking it for a while. And I'm like, wow, his Japanese is awful. <laughs> it's so bad. So I know that, that that film came over here and it was actually really popular over here. Even though he is speaking really poor Japanese in it. And I think that that is that is an exact parallel, or you know, a, a, an opposite parallel, right? To um, to English being poorly used in anime, um, and then and then things I still don't see, like uh, the the film Cronenberg uh, film Eastern Promises. That was my favorite year, uh, or my favorite film, the year that that came out. And um, one of my friends who speaks Russian uh, told me that he hated the film because Viggo Mortensen's Russian was so terrible. And I'm like, oh, wow, I, I thought he did a really great job. I thought he, his performance was excellent. But I don't speak Russian. But so. I, find it, I find it interesting, though, because I, I think whenever there's a Japanese person speaking English, if they speak awful English, we make fun of them. Mm. And, I, and I hate to say it like that, but it's true. Yeah. There's so many people who are like, English, I eat, I eat lice. Yeah. And and that exists in well, Western culture. But but in but in Western cultures and going back to the West to the Last Samurai. First of all, I've had I think three students now that have talked to me about how much they love that movie. So yeah. they're not like offended by it at all. But and I've even brought up I'm like the, the Last Samurai is white guys. Do do you care? And they're like nah nah it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but in America, we have so many different ethnicities that production crews and writers are so in tune to not offending people. I remember, was it Memoirs of a Geisha, where the main actress was Chinese? Like Chinese yeah. And there was a Dungy, huge, yeah. huge stink about it in America. It was, I remember, I, I remember specifically all the bitching about it from the, from the Chinese population, but it goes back to the fact that in Japan, 98.5% Japanese, and people in Japan, you know, like Americans, don't travel all over the world necessarily, and so it's like you know you'd see these things in in, in 
like 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 this clip I have of DBZ of this of this black guy, and it's absurd. Like the portrayal of this black person. I really want to play the clip, by the way. Go and ahead, it's go like, ahead, me too. We know go it's it. we know it's crazy, and black people in America are offended. But in Japan, perhaps that's just what they think black people are like. Because in the, all the time I've spent in Japan, I've seen like four black people. So. In America, we know better because it's such a melting pot. But in Japan, it's so isolated and closed. Or a tossed salad, as Blaze uh, uh, Kizashi pointed out, so, that sociologists are using that term. So tossed salad—that's really, really bad. That's really bad. <laughs> so here, here's the clip. It's 20 seconds long. In America, we know this clip is ridiculous, and people are offended by it. And actually, if you go on YouTube, you can find people ranting about black people in anime. But in Japan, all they probably do is laugh at it. So here's the clip. I think it's funny. It's 20 seconds. Here we go. It was posted by 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 Blaze Kizashi on the forum. Enjoy it. It's from Dragon Ball. You hear that doing the big on? I do work in you. Man, you talking funny. I heard him say, Rabbit, smack it ahead. I heard smack it ahead, and I think Mr. Satan from Dragon Ball in there, and that was it. So, and there's other anime, there's hundreds, there's not hundreds, but there's there's numerous anime where black people are just, they're almost like, they're almost treated like, like circus performers. I. I feel it's either that or it's like uh, uh, Dutch from Black Lagoon. Well, Dutch isn't portrayed that bad. No, no, no. But I was going to say, I, I feel it's it's either kind of what you were saying or it's like Dutch, who's the big, burly, giant black man who's really strong and, you know, really kind of raw. But... Anyways, I, I think this topic could go on for, yeah, for much longer than, than we could way, intend. Way, so, because it some, Someone brought up Mr. Popo. And I don't, uh, I don't Mr. Popo, he's, he's not black anymore. He's neon blue. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen that? Neon blue? Have you seen the... Fo- oh, not, we won't. You mean navy blue? Four no. kids. Neon? Four, four kids lit him up like a Christmas tree. You will, we will show you over the break. What? So, does anybody... I did not know that. I'm going to give this to like one more minute. Does anybody have any closing thoughts? My closing thought is that th- what it comes down to is it comes down to culture. And w- the, the, best, the best analysis we can give will always be from the outside. And I think the other thing to note is that no matter what portrayal occurs in my experience here in Japan, the people who actually legitimately hate foreigners are so few and far between. And I think if, if there's anything that you watch an anime that, that you end up feeling offended by... Um, please, please note that it really probably ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time was not done to be offensive. No, it it probably comes from a place of love and admiration. So I mean, and I and I understand that, and I don't think I've ever seen anything in anime that, that I found language wise um, uh, racially offensive or you know, uh, ethnically offensive. So you know, we'll just, we'll be better. they love us. okay so we're gonna take a news break and when we come back we have reviews on the samurai x ova and on the recent samurai uh, roni kenshin live action movie so stay tuned and we will be back in a few minutes
rock stars out there trying to make it big, this is Chiaki and this is your anime news break. First up, for those of you living in North America who are big fans of manga, there could be, well, a new way that you'll have to find your manga and it won't be at the Barnes & Noble bookstores any no anymore. The bookstore chain Barnes & Noble has begun closing physical stores across the United States during and after a low holiday 2012 sales season. The company shut down stores in San Francisco, Philadelphia, Washington DC, Seattle, Chicago, Austin, Manhattan, and Dallas. As of October 2012, the company operated 1,363 bookstores in the United States, including those on college campuses. In other news, video game groups asked the US Vice President Biden not to censor games. The Entertainment Consumers Association, or the ECA, and the International Game Developers Association, the IGDA, both urged the United States Vice President Joe Biden not to censor video games due to recent school shootings. Biden is scheduled to meet with heads of the gaming industry this month to discuss the relationship between mass shootings and violence in video games and other media. Chairman of the IDA's Anti-Censorship and Social Issues Committee, Daniel Greenberg, issued a statement to the Vice President noting the U.S. government's comic book censorship of the 1950s and its effect on the industry. Greenberg said that the censorship failed to reduce juvenile violence and disseminated the production process. Censoring video games, and I quote, would have a similar unintended consequences that we currently cannot foresee, Greenberg stated. Ironically, comic books are now used as part of the solution to illiteracy, even by the government. So, it's definitely a talking point for, t for subjects. What do you think about violent video games? Join us on our forums and we can talk about it. I would definitely like to discuss the topic. But back to some more anime news, the official website for Makoto Shinkai, the author-director behind Voices of a Distant Star and 5 centimeters per, se per second, has announced that he is creating a new short anime film called Dareka no Manazashi, or Someone's Gaze. The Nomura Real Estate Group will screen the film during the Proud Box Kansahai, a home living exposition, which will run from February 10th to 11th at the Tokyo International Forum. More details about the shorts will be announced on the 23rd, but if it comes from Shinkai, I'm very excited. This was Chiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. We'll be back to the show soon. We watched Unico and the Island of Magic. So they go into, they enter like this endless desert to find the Sphinx. Kevin is champing at the bit looking, where's Kenshiro? Heart of Madness. Kenshiro's gonna clean that Lord Karuku up. <laughs> like that freaking Unico is gonna be like, like the little horn is gonna pop up. There's gonna be like a little satellite dish on the end of it. He's gonna call, you know, he's gonna like, you know, on the other side of the desert, Ken's gonna get a phone call and he's gonna be like, what? I'll be there, turns to Barth's like, Let's, Let's go. go! Hop in the buggy! Where are we going, Ken? <laughs> the Island of Magic! Come on! <laughs> Someone needs to do a mashup. The Method to Madness podcast with Sean Ryan and Kevin Gray. Find them on iTunes and alphacounter.com. Anime Addict Anonymous is Amy Plex and sponsor
Welcome back to the 162nd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. It's Rurouni Kenshin time. Yay! In the break, we, we watched the uh, four kids uh, censorship of Mr. Popo's blackness. The he is, in fact, Neumbly. He looks like a genie. He does. He looks like a genie. It's really bad. It's more offensive to make him look like a light, like, like a Christmas tree ornament than to make him, you know, actually just a black dude. But, well, the thing is, so is that I was saying is that I never saw Mr. Popo as a black dude. Even when I was a kid, he doesn't... Yeah, when I, I was I a kid, he he's black. He's not black as in, like, dark-skinned. He is black as in ink, the yeah, color. Yeah. And I have never seen what is commonly called a black person who is... Actually, actually black. black. Not to mention the other obvious thing is he has pointy ears. Yeah, he's not... He's clearly he's, not human. I mean, I, I think that, that, you know, it's... I think that it, it probably came from a place of not to make this another point, but I think the design of Mr. Popo probably came from a place of ignorance. But what really, what really makes it offensive over here is that the, the design of his face, on top of the fact that his skin is like coal black, it it looks like blackface, like the classic I, classic example of blackface. I can see, I can see that regard, um, and and yes, I I can see that that aspect of it. But I guess I don't know. Maybe it was just when I was a kid growing up in in an age and in a family that never racism never had any racism that I just I didn't even see it that way. And so like to to have the notion that someone is offended by it, I I'm not saying that they are unjustified because everyone's allowed to feel how they feel. But it's just strange to me. So, anyways. So, well, we'd like to talk about the Veroni Kenshin m- movie or the Samurai X OVA first. I almost want to do the movie first because I know I'm going to gush and gush and gush over the OVA. And, and you want to have a more restrict time limit on that? <laughs> We've got about 30 minutes left. Okay. So It's up to you. Let's do the movie first. Okay. Okay, so. It was good. Review over. <laughs> all right, all right. Next, next one. So we're oh, gonna wait, do. Wait, the... we gotta give it a score. Okay, um, so no, no. Let's, let's talk about it a little bit. Um, so the Veroni Kenshin movie is is a live action movie that came out what last year? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it recently. It was beat. released uh, eight twenty five in Japan. It has not had any North American release of last year. Um, so it was uh, became recently available at at the movie rental stores. So we picked it up and watched it as a group. All in Japanese. It, it was, was a very it, it was, was a very fun evening. We had a uh, nabe nabe. Yeah, it was awesome. We should have another nabe anime night. Yes, I agree. So nabe. let me start out by saying that for those of you that have seen Uzoni uh, Kenshin and would care to watch the live action movie, this show this movie covers only the first arc of the story, which goes up through the end of the drug dealer in the show, which is basically the guy that they rescue Megumi from, the doctor. And so everything after that in the show is not in the movie. So that's the that's sort of the timeline we're dealing with here. And I I thought I, I like that because Rurouni Kenshin is too big to do in one movie. And I mean And I and I said too as we were watching, I think it's a smart choice in the sense that I feel that if they picked a character like uh I always forget his name. Sanosuke? No, it, it, it S, the the bandage guy. Makoto Shishio. Shishio. I always want to say Shoshomaru, and I and I hate myself for it. <laughs> you I, said it that night, I, and you were uh, like, Inuyasha. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself for that fact. But Man, anyways. It, just saying Shishio makes me want to play 
Steve Bloom's psychotic laughter. God, <laughs> such an amazing, amazing villain. And he totally forgot he did that role. <laughs> Unbelievable. How do you forget Makoto Shishio? When we, when we met him in person, we were like, can you do the Shishio laugh? And he was like, uh, how does it go? <laughs> <laughs> no, what he said, I think what he said was something like, oh, I, I used to be able to remember, but man, then there was college and high school and I just, you know. I did so what? much pot. I wasn't going to wow. say that, but he, he didn't say pot. God, no, Steve's he awesome. He's yeah, super Steve, cool. One of the nicest, one of the nicest people I've ever met who has like who who exists in the in the oh celebrity community. He was he unbelievable. Was Anyways, um but what I was going to say is that I feel that if they chose one of those super iconic villains or super iconic arcs that everyone loves, they would walk a very fine line. Of people would either love it or hate it, and I think more people would hate it because they would just nitpick and nitpick and nitpick. But by picking a smaller arc and magnifying it, um, almost what was more of a side story in the original series, I feel that they had more uh, leeway because th there's maybe a little bit less content to deal with and there's less love that the fans hold so if they change something i feel that there would be less outrage of oh my god you changed this little thing that we love so i i'm not sure where to go from here but i kind of want to jump to the characterization sure how did what did you think about uh takeru sato as kenshin i liked him i thought it was i thought it was amazing i thought he did a really good job i was i was surprised like he has that kind of uh, uh I don't. What what kind of quality is it? It's kind of a, a gentleness. Yeah. There's a gentleness to Kenshin that I think he really brings to the character. That's uh, that he does really well, and and at the same time he can be kind of brutal if he has yeah. to be. But but I liked I liked that he had that switch mm -hmm. of like the kind of I I'm I'm carefree. I'm living my life. I'm relaxed, as you said, a, mm -hmm. a gentleness to the character. But you know when 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 shit got real. He was like, okay, I'm not playing anymore. He looked like Kenshin. He moved yes. like Kenshin. He even talked like Kenshin. Yeah. And That's off to the casting director, too, yes. because, like, just the way he looks, like, he, he there's there's a, a kindness in his face. Like, I, I know that I've seen so many samurai films, and by and large, they pick dudes with hard faces to play samurai. Yeah. And, you know, they could have chosen someone whose faces had a little bit more, you know, jagged features and a, a bit more masculine, and I don't think it would have expressed the same thing that um, that Sato's face uh, expresses. I, he, I think he did a really great job. Hats off also to the costuming director. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought there were some very smart choices with regards to costuming and hair, hair and makeup. Everything felt like Kenshin should feel if it were real. Yes. And there there was nothing that I said his hair was red enough that it was Kenshin, but it wasn't so red it was comical. Like they they walked the fine line, they did it well. He had he had the red um what would that be? The hakama? Mm -hmm. Um he had the red oh, the ha hakama or the pants. Oh the um, Hidogi? Uh yeah, I think that's it. Um I, I know it's Hakama and Hidogi, but I always forget. But he had he had it, and it was red and, and kind of more of, maybe more of, like, that a little bit of a pinky tone, but it wasn't, like, pink. Yeah. So uh, everything that they did, I felt showed a, a lot of love 
for the original work yeah. that that made me happy. There was clearly a lot of love in this adaptation. I, I thought that the just to, just Kenshin's obviously the main focus, but just to speak about the rest of the characters, I thought that um, <clears throat> Kaoru and Megumi were done very well, particularly Kaoru. I thought she fit the role very perfectly. Her personality was <clears throat> strong, but you know she's kind of she she loves her dojo, but she's sort of. Um, not powerful enough to kind of uphold her ideals and to protect the things that she loves, and so Kenshin kind of steps in, and I think that kind of just shows it's kind of like it's kind of like a woman and living in that time. Like Kaido is stronger than the most women would be, but she's still kind of you know dominated by the men, and so it's it she fit the role nicely. And she gets no respect. She really doesn't, except from from Kenshin, and of course Sonosuke was I thought cast equally as, as well as Kenshin. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect Sonosuke's his attitude, um, his 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 body type. You know, being tall and slender, but not being like you know wimpy looking because he's more of a brawler. And also um, Yahiko, who who had a very minor role in the movie, but you know he does in the in the anime as well. But Yahiko was a, a young boy who was very dirty. You know, just like just like in the show. And also Hajime Saito was in the movie. Oh, he was very and, good too. He was very yeah, Saito to me. Very cool, and uh, he does his wolf, whatever the hell it's called, wolf sword move. I can't remember the name of the suit. But he move, had but. like the hair, the, the 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 little bit of hair in his face, but it wasn't as comical as the show. Everything, everything. Going back to what I said before, is it, it's a perfect homage to the show yeah. without being ridiculous. Um, one of the other things that I really was impressed by was the action was good. The action was very competent and fun. Yeah. I'm I'm used to and and okay, I hate to say it, but I I'll say it. There Hollywood has ridiculous budgets. And other Hollywoods around the world just don't compare. And being an American, growing up on American movies, I am used to that kind of budget. Um, but many movies in other countries don't even have the budget that some of our TV shows have. But the action scenes and the overall thing, it didn't look low low rent to me. Well, the it, choreography no, was good. Yeah, the choreography was really good. It didn't... Um, the What little CG they used, and it really wasn't all that much, uh, wasn't obvious it, and it uh, wasn't distracting. Yeah, I just think the those visual elements really, really worked well. But it didn't feel... I, I don't feel... It, like it felt too gritty and too dirty, like you know, one mm -hmm. of the, like for example, a couple of years ago, um, what's his name, Takashi Miike's uh, Thirteen Assassins. That movie is dirty. Like I mean, it's <laughs> gritty and nasty, and it looks like it's. I mean, it's supposed to look that way, and I love that film, but um, but I, I think that they still allowed the uh, the the mise en scene to be you know pretentious to be clean enough to kind of make it still look like it's a cartoon because that's what it's supposed to be. I mean, it's from it's from an anime, so I don't know. I think that in that way they kind of met um, uh, met in the middle between the anime and uh, you know a live action film and uh, made something kind of visually interesting uh, all around. It's also hopeful when the movie wasn't excessively violent. So I look back to some of the Zatoichi films that I've seen, and of course those movies are very violent, and so they tend to put a lot of CG gore into the movies that make it look very cheesy and very bad. I remember the first one I watched had just this terrible, terribly violent scene where obviously they're not really going to kill a man to film the movie. So they had all this really, really fake-looking blood and, like, guts coming out, and it was just, you know, it's so unnecessary. And this movie didn't have anything like that in it. It wasn't trying to be like that. And the anime is not like that. 
So it was um, very suitable. I think that I think that for someone who doesn't know the show, though, if I have a criticism of it, I think for someone who doesn't know the show, the character development, I mean, it mm-hmm. isn't isn't terribly great. Very lacking. Um, they just kind of throw the characters in front of you and expect you to be like, yeah, of course they would do this because it's Kenshin. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's this person. But, uh, uh, you know, other than that, I, I think they do a pretty good job. If you're familiar with the characters... You will enjoy it, though, for sure. I, I was going to say, too, that if, if you either are not familiar with the show at all or haven't watched it in a long time and weren't a super fan, which for me, I probably fall under that. I haven't watched the original source material in a, in a good year or two or three. And I loved it, but I wouldn't classify myself as a super fan of Kenshin. I, I greatly enjoyed it. I consumed all there was to consume, and then I put it aside and moved on. And... The start of the movie to me was, I, I was going, okay, Kenshin, I obviously, I, I know Kenshin, I squeed, uh, Kaoru, yay, Kaoru, but but then the villain, and I, I did praise it at the start, and I don't want to seem like I'm revoking my praise, because I do think, I still think it was a smart decision, but at first, as someone who's watching it, who's, I don't know, maybe a middle-of-the-road Kenshin fan, I was saying, why, who, why, who is why do I care about this person? Yeah, exactly. Well, why why and and it does kind of just push you into yeah. the story in that respect. I'm going to try to steer us towards a score for the sake of time, sure. so I'm going to kind of give my negatives cuz I think the movie was really good. The negative aspects That was my negative. The negative aspects of the movie are one it's it's sort of a minor negative, but they selected a por- portion of the show that doesn't really matter. And so it, it's not important to the overall story of, of the Rooney Kenshin. It's more or less like how the characters came, came together. Also, I agree with Cram's point about the character development. They sort of had a very, albeit very well done, homage to the OVA, which we're, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yep. Which I was and very thrilled with it because it was so true to the OVA. It was and, really well done, too. <laughs> but, like, that is not enough to justify a character development. I mean, and even still, that was only Kenshin. So, wow, we got to see, like, three minutes of Kenshin's past. Wonderful. We still don't know what the heck was happening in that scene. And the other problem I thought with that, that, that the movie had was, I think for people that haven't seen the show, it was probably a little bit confusing. I mean, you're trying to, you're tr- you're trying to do 26 episodes in, you know, what? Two hours, so that in, in a sense, that's even more. That's even faster than the, than the Evangelion movie. Yeah. No. So there is stuff left out, and in that, the character development is part of it. But. I don't think we've said it yet, but the the actual runtime is 134 minutes. So yes, very long. Two hours. It's lengthy. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel it, like yeah. like you know, as as good as the action is, and um, I would say I would say the pacing is decent. But I would say with as good as the action is, you still feel the length of the movie. Uh-huh. And Absolutely. And that's that's not a compliment. Um, you know, after a while, I was like, okay, wrap it up. Wrap yeah. it up. <laughs> wrap it up, yeah. It was kind of... Final battle time. Kind of like yes. the recent James Bond movie. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. Me too. Why even have the last 30 minutes? So I, I would give this movie... Um, I would give it four bleeding scars out of five. Thought it was an above average movie, but a very well tailored, a very difficult source material because it's such a long show. I think I would have to give it give it a four. My my normal average is is three. That is an average film, and just how carefully they adapted the source material brings it at at least up to a solid three and a half. And and I think there were other good entertainment values to it, but I it, it's definitely for me 
just a four. It's it's not a solid, almost a four and a half four. It's like if we could give it a three point seven five, that's yeah. where it would land. I would say for me. for me, it's barely a four. But I I would round up for the sake of this movie because I do think it was well done. Yeah, personally, um, I I can't give it a four. I can say I really enjoyed the film uh, overall. It's it's a lot of fun, but I don't think it has a whole lot to say. Um, I, I think I'm going to have to go with three and a half uh, mm. reversed katana blades. Oh, nice. nice. I think we can all agree if we did give 3.75s, mm. that's kind of where this movie would Yeah, it's, would it's fall. somewhere in there. It's it's definitely... And Far from a masterpiece, but lots of fun. It, oh, yeah. it, it really is lots and of fun. And if you like Kenshin at all, even if you're someone in my shoes that you're not a super fan, but you watched the show and you liked it, seriously pick up this movie. It's well worth it. So, whereas the the series of, of Ruining Kenshin, which, by the way, you should quit watching after Shishio, after the uh, the arc with Shishio, the Kyoto arc, um, Samurai X, the OVA, at least the first two episodes, talk about Kenshin's origin. Oh my god! In the most amazing way ever. Let's just gush. Like, so, is, there, is there anything <laughs> negative that you can say about this? Movie? Can I just th- I just throw it out there uh. and say that if you asked me what the what the greatest anime ever made was. This anime would be mentioned on, amongst a very short list. I, I honestly was it can't in our think top of fifty. Heck I yes, it, it was, was. I think it was really close. I'm gonna see if I. Can I would not. Find ha- I would not have allowed this show to go anywhere anywhere below the top five. I I just don't know five anime that are better than this than this OVA. Um, everything about it's incredible. The right from the beginning. I mean, the first five minutes of this of this OVA are so incredible that you're basically you basically have committed yourself to the whole two hours after five minutes. And let's face it, two hours is not that long of a time commitment. It even, goes by quick, too. You don't feel it like you do in no. the movie. Even the dub, even the dub is done almost masterfully. Kenshin's voice is a little bit um, lifeless, I guess. But but the... Um, God, I can never remember. I can never remember Kenshin's master's name. It's terrible. Um, I'll remember it in a minute. But his monologue in the beginning is so incredible. I'm actually going to play it, play part of it. I just want to... Just, just the first line. I'll just play the first line, and you'll, and you'll understand. The moon peers down on a diseased world. So heavy. By the way, one of our very loyal fans, Anamalia, who hi to you, it it got number two on our list. Number two. It was beat by Grave of the Fireflies. So what you're hearing right now is the very beginning of the OVA. The very, very beginning. There is no cure for the disease. An entire race vaults mindlessly into destruction. Not even a man of colossal power would be able to prevent the inevitable. And then there's a whole lot of killing that occurs. The very violent... Very violent. Oh man! I mean, this this thing just all around. I mean, it's it's brutal and heartbreaking and dead serious. The thing dead about, serious. The thing yeah. about the violence to me, though, is that unlike a lot of other shows that are really violent, it doesn't feel like it's there to be gratuitous. Oh no, not at all. Like which it, which is is almost refreshing. <laughs> every scene, every scene of, of violence, like illustrates a change in him, or like a, a you know an important, um, almost landmark in what makes him who he eventually becomes. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's... I, I think that 
I, I think that if you call yourself a Rooney Kenshin fan and you have not seen this OVA, you don't understand him as a character. You don't. Because th this is so, the character development is so, so well done in this OVA. And you get such a, a clear understanding of where he came from and who he was and why he became who he became that, you know, seeing what he does in the series, um, I just don't think means as much. I, I watched this OVA after I finished the series. And me as well. After watching it after the series, I looked back on the whole series and went, oh, I saw it in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. I, I had a whole different appreciation for Kenshin and the moments that I thought, you know, oh, this is annoying. He's being so silly. All of a sudden, I thought, this dude's been through hell and back. All he wants to do is enjoy his life for a little bit. And yeah. and those scenes had completely different meanings. And I think on, I think also on some level, uh, watch if you watch this OVA first to get the backstory of Kenshin before the series, and then watch <laughs> the series, understand that this is kind of a hard act to follow. Yeah. And the series is nothing like this. Nothing at all. It doesn't even look the same. There is a reason why you can make the argument that this is one of, that this is the best anime of all time. Yeah, yeah. One, definitely one of them, yeah. for sure. Um, uh, well, make an argument. I, yeah, I feel that, that there's argument. like yeah, yeah, yeah. five that float at the top that, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, when it comes down to it, it's, when it comes down to it, it's just personal preference and whatnot but there's also some legitimate historical accuracies in this in this movie i was trying to i was trying to uh look up which clan kenshin was fighting for right at the start of the meiji period there was a lot of fighting amongst groups that did not agree with the influx of foreign influence in japan right at the right at the at the beginning of the meiji there was the satsuma rebellion there was a lot of fighting between the choshu and the satsuma and Actually, a lot of the characters in Revenge Kenshin are based on actual historical figures from Japan. Uh, whether or not Kenshin was completely historically accurate or not is, of course, nobody really knows. But, of course, d during the uh, the rebellion, the two groups fought against each other. One group wanting to keep Japan pure and force the foreigners out of the country. The other group fighting along the side of the Meiji and wanting to, um, you know, allow things like this to occur. And so, you see... Hey, one group. I can't. I can't remember which group it is. I apologize, but one group. And they literally spent a lot of the, the of the beginning of the movie on politics, politicking between different different groups. One group hires Kenshin to be sort of their sort of, uh, you know, in the fighting. So, I mean, one thing I have to say about this anime is this is some heavy shit. It is like it is I, some heavy shit. <laughs> I'm, and I'm not saying that in a way to say, you know, I, I'm not saying it in the grave of the firefly sense that it no, will emotionally yeah. crush you yeah. for a long period of time. But I'm saying that in the sense that when you watch this anime, you almost have like a soul searching moment yeah. in your own life where you're going, holy, what would I do? Mm. How would I feel? What? What is it's what is right yeah. and what is wrong? It feels important, and that's yes. that is that goes such a long way. Like it's it's thematically weighty, you know. It has there's gravitas, you know. Yeah. It's just it's um it's all around wonderful. You, I think the score is going to be obvious. <laughs> just, the, just, just just the music gives me chills, and as I play it underneath of us. And and, and Mitsugi's the the thing that I also love about this anime, and and Mitsugi playing the start of it is a perfect example. 
it it tells you what it's gonna be mm -hmm. from the beginning in the first 10 minutes yeah that's you, no secret you you know that this show is going to change your life <laughs> as you sit down wanting to watch a fun movie with a bowl of popcorn and a soda and you're like let's put on this movie and in the first five minutes you're like oh i better put away the popcorn <laughs> it's not one of those is kenji's master's name is seiji or hiko right yes i, I think, think so. so so right the first five minutes of the movie completely set the tone you have Seiji Rohiko, who is this kind of a, a, a hermit, but a master of the martial arts, who chooses to stay out of the fighting and the and the the sin and the depravity that Japan has become, while he speaks about this over top of a group of clansmen slaughtering a caravan, and it basically shows the turmoil that Japan is in at the time that the that, that the OVA begins, which ends up orphaning Kenshin, and which ends up well, Kenshin, Kenshin was an orphan to begin with. Yeah. He was a uh, being. You know, sold into slavery, and so at the end of it all, you know, Hiko basically annihilates all the clansmen because he's he's a god to the point where he doesn't even age really in the in the in the show. In the, in Romani Kenshin, he he has a role in like you know towards the end of the Kyoto arc, and he's the exact same age as he was when Kenshin was young. And Kenshin says, "How do you never age?" And he's it's just because of his discipline, I guess, and his art that he that he practices the Hita Mitsurugi, but. So much is done in the first five minutes of this movie. Yeah. It's... The, the only... If I was going to be a nitpicky bitch... Oh, here it comes. <laughs> and, oh, no. And that, Here's my no, surprise face again. No, no, no. Just kidding. Oh. No, but I, I, I want to try to be fair and, sure. and try to find something mm. um, for those people out there who are going, you know, it can't be that amazing. There has to be something. The only thing that, that I will say is... Maybe there are one or two points in the in the process that it feels a little slow. That looking back, it doesn't feel slow because you you see where it was going and you see the wheels turning more than what you saw at that time. Once everything became aligned, but but I I can remember the first time I watched it, there was one or two points that I was saying, what's where are we going now? And once I saw where we were going, I was like, oh my god, of course. But the very brief points where I said, I'm, I, I don't know. I still loved I still loved the journey. But maybe there were one or two points that the first time you watch it, maybe... And, and maybe that's more of a, a praise than a criticism, because really good storytelling, I like those aha moments where you go, oh, you were setting it up way back an hour ago for this. But... Maybe if I if I had to find a criticism, that would be the only thing that I could. I think I think that's interesting because I'm not sure how recently you guys have rewatched it, but it's been several years for me, so I'm kind of going off of memory here. And my like when I when I watch a really great movie, the things that stick with me are the things that were really great about it, and I tend to forget the things that weren't so great about it unless it was just kind of mediocre or really really bad, and then that's all I remember. Um, but I think that to to this uh, OAVs or film, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel it's like a film. I know it's an OVA, but um, I think it deserves to be called a film. I, um, I I tend to take both the first two OVAs and combine them into a two-hour movie. Yeah. That's how I view them. Yeah, that's what I do. And, it, and you know, I think, um, I think to its credit, looking back on it in the past and remembering nothing but how masterfully done it is um, and forgetting maybe any of the pacing issues that it may have had, because I really don't remember them, or how slow it may have been, uh, I think is um, is to its credit. I really do. Yeah. And, and like I said, I... 
I don't want to. I don't want to even seem like I have a blemish of hate for this OVA because I don't at all. But I say that more in the sense of if I had to nitpick something, that would be the worst thing I can say about the show. The absolute worst. Maybe kinda, sorta, a little. If you're not really into it, it might feel that way. But Jesus, this 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 is amazing. So. Just to set the setting a little bit better, the uh, there was the Satsuma and the Choshu clans. The Satsuma clan was based in southern in the southern region of Kyushu in Japan, and um, eventually, after working close with the central government, the, the Satsuma grew dissatisfied with the direction that the government was taking, and they're opening up, and organized a considerable army that raised up against the uh, untried troops of the government. And so what you had was a huge clash between traditional Japanese warfare, the samurai and the satsuma, and also the the uh, the more advanced, untested, inexperienced Western peasant army that was raised in the West by the government. And so that's sort of the role that the movie takes right at the start of the Meiji period, the Meiji Restoration. So, anyway, the original release date was back in 2000, and it's amazing. You should watch it. Um, Someone's in the chat said, is it worth buying? Yes. yes. Yes, it is worth buying. Buy it in blue. I don't even know if it would make a is difference it, is in Blu-ray. Is it on Blu-ray? I will try to find out. Oh, if it is, <laughs> I'm buying it. <laughs> I will also say that in this review, I am not reviewing the third OVA or or Reflection, the fourth OVA. This is, some, this is for me, this is only Trust and Betrayal, the first two. Oh, I can't remember the Japanese. Tsutsuki Oyuken or something. I can't remember. What is the third OVA? The third OVA is the film. That oh, takes Samurai place. The movie. It takes place in, yeah. in with the with the Roni Kenshin characters, which is a massive. Here's my massive review of that. Drop Barf. off. <laughs> <laughs> there is a Blu-ray. It is a limited. There is a limited edition Blu-ray that you can get. Retail is eighty-one. I found it for sixty-five. It contains all four OVA episodes, um, and. It has new box art, and it has a deluxe booklet from the Japanese release, and a Sweet. second booklet of English translations. I'll be buying it. It's very difficult to find a show that is able to do so many genres perfectly. It starts out as a political drama with a lot of fighting, a lot of very serious tones. It's executed almost perfectly. The pacing is delightful. It has moments of brilliance and beauty. The, the, the scene where Kenshin kills the bodyguard and he and, and in the bodyguard's dying moments has a vision of his of his beloved and he reaches out you know in his delusion of you know approaching death scenes like that and then the movie tr- kind of it uh, fades into more of a romance between Kenshin and Tomoe oh, and the end. that is equally as well done in the most incredibly believable romance for only 40 minutes or so plus if somehow you don't know you find out how he gets his cross-shaped scar yeah which is so iconic in the show and yeah, you they do learn that they don't really say and when you find out how you you can't look at it and oh they do that in the live action movie too yeah you yeah find that out too yeah so but Anyways, I, I thought we had already reviewed this anime, but I guess it was just my periodic gushing over it for, over the course of the last three years. Let's do it justice. So it's a really easy score for me. I, I, I don't give fives too often. I've probably have done it maybe out of the hundred animes I've reviewed, I probably have done it three or four times. And I'm going to give it five. <sighs> I don't know. Five, <laughs> five, five uh, cherry blo- falling cherry blossoms out of five. 
Five completed cross-shaped scars out of five. Five. Oh my god, this anime is so fucking awesome! Five. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the symbolism. Oh my god. This anime... This anime. I mean, Seriously. just the just the symbolism of, of Kenshin's bleeding scar throughout the whole movie. Subtle things are just placed into the film, uh, you know, amongst that that are just making that just make this movie amazing. And anybody should watch this. Even you know, even if you don't like serious anime, you have to watch this because if you don't, you just you're not you, an anime you, fan if you, you don't watch you, this. You just, sorry, you just don't know what good anime is. Um, you know, if all you've seen is like Lucky Star and Love Hina, you have to watch the Samurai X OVA. Just so you can, you know, just so you can ruin the rest of anime for yourself forever because everything, everything else looks bad compared to this. If you want to become <laughs> as jaded as us, um, thank you, Animalia, for requesting this. Yes, thank and you very much. we can take it off our, our ever-growing <laughs> request list. The impossible request list. Yes, yes. Ooh, Slayers is on there. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for joining us. Yes. Yeah, thank you. It was wonderful. And uh, thank you to everybody in the chat that stuck around and uh, watched. Um, again, the new website's brand new. Come check it out at www.aaapodcast.com. Everything's been revamped. The forums are stable, so they won't be going down anymore. For your delight. For your for your delight. For your happy life. For your happy <laughs> life and happy time. And with they don't say happy and with, time. And with our honor, we are on iTunes. So come check us out there. You can subscribe. iTunes will tell you when we have a new episode out so you can make sure you don't miss a single one. We're also on Facebook. Come join the page. Get updates on what's happening. And, of course, live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live from Japan on Ustream.tv. So the song taking us out tonight is Sarari from the anime Sukite i Nayo by the artist Suneo Hair. And we will be back next week with fresh material and and uh, lots of fun for you guys. See you, everyone. Bye. <laughs>